This is The Bus, and you're listening to Drop the Dice. And there it is. Dude, speaking of all the sex, I thought the scene with Braun was kind of the first time we saw just like casual sex in a while. I, I agree. Um, and I, I thought it was, I was fine with it because it was Braun and it makes sense of like, you want to introduce him to set up kind of this like other new story of what's he going to do if he's told to kill like the two guys who are like basically his best friends. Yeah. I, I feel like that's a weird plot point. Mm-hmm. And as much as he's a sellsword, didn't he kind of say like, I'm not a sellsword anymore. The past two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I guess it depends on. Brown's the type of guy who like he's gonna see if like Cersei's gonna be victorious. He'll go with her. He's a survivor. Okay. Essentially, he goes with what's the winning bet. So it's like I don't think there's any way he's actually gonna kill either of them. Right. Um. I think Brown will probably die in some way, or if he doesn't, like that's fine too. I I think he's uh, so minor at this point that like he's just like. Like uh, like wallpaper, you know, he's like fun wallpaper that like people like because he's clever and funny and things like that. But ultimately, he's gonna have no real effect on like how everything plays out. Um, so I was trying to rewatch the whole series up until this moment, and mm-hmm. I think I got to the I got I got to hard home. Okay, and then I started and then I started um, jumping around. Okay, um, but. Which the okay the season with with uh, Oberon, mm-hmm. and Tyrion. Goes, okay, so Tyrion goes to Bronn and says, "Dude, I need you to be my champion again." And Bronn basically tells him, "Like, I can't. I'm a. He's is that is he a knight already?" Mm, I think he's maybe even a lord at that point. Something's happening, right? Like Cersei promises him like this wife and a castle and like all this shit. Yeah, and he basically tells Tyrion, "Like, I can't." I can't fight for you. Right. Um, I know like that's like the beginning of him more like, like hanging up his like mercenary ways. Right. I think the reason he does it though, is because he knows he would lose to the mountain. Okay. So back to him being a survivor. Yes. I, I think that's ultimately why he says like, I'm not doing this. Cause he's like, I want to live. I care more about living than I do about any like relationship I have with anybody. Right, I did like. I think I think that's that scene where he's like, "Yeah, you're right. We're best friends. What have you ever done for me?" Yeah, he does do that. And I thought that was like really, like in a moment where you think Bronn's kind of being selfish, or at least I don't know, maybe honest to himself. He's actually he's got a really good point. Tyrion mm-hmm. kind of is this guy. He's really never done much for him. Yeah, and that's interesting that you say that because like Tyrion in the past couple seasons. And I mean, the Sansa line when she says to him, like, I used to think you were the most clever man in the world. Yeah, that was great. He's like, really not that smart when it comes to the past couple of seasons. Right, because he doesn't, he fucks up Marine in season five. Mm-hmm. No, season six. Yeah, whichever one. And when, when, when I love when she comes back, and it's, it's literally almost out of like a cartoon where shit's blowing up around them. Yeah. And there you have those like booms, and he's like, "All things said, the city is in quite good shape." Mm-hmm. And he starts talking about like the economy is flourishing, and this is that, and we've done this. But literally, the city's falling apart around them, right? Because they're being attacked. He's just like, 
he almost started believing his own hype. Right. <clears throat> and so, like, he, like, every move he makes, though, is just, like, turned out to fail. You know, it's almost like Cersei plays him. It's kind of like how when we play games, like, you play me. Yeah. And, like, I become my own downfall because, right. like, I try to out-clever you out-clevering me type thing, and then I just, like, fail. Right. Because you know me and my moves better than, like, I can, like, try to, like, do a web. Right. And Same thing with Cersei and Tyrion. straight, you probably would have won. Mm. Or you'd beat me. Yeah. I think that's what it comes down to. Like, I know you win if, if I play it straight up because you know my moves. Right. But, and I think Cersei and Tyrion the same way. Like, Cersei... I think Cersei, ultimately, like, Tyrion will be more victorious than Cersei, but I think that Cersei, like, plays Tyrion and knows him so well that, like, she's able to predict his every move and counter it. Right. Uh, so, seems like good as time as any. What's up, everybody? This is Ben from www.dropthedice.com. And with me today is our longstanding friend, and it's been a while since we've talked, but our good our good guy, the uh, man on the street, guy who's always got a bevy in his hand, Alfie, what's going on, man? What's up, dude? Um, just eating some Minnesota Mexican food right now. How's that? Um, I, I don't know. It's, it, it's fine. It, it works for what it is, but like, it's obviously not authentic or whatever. Rousing review there. So, um, this is going to be a quick uh, podcast where we kind of touch upon Game of Thrones and all of its glory. We'll talk really quick about last night's episode, a little bit about war, and then probably a couple of short topics on plots at least just some thoughts that i've had recently They're just i mean broad generalization man what'd you think of last night's episode you're probably like a fan out of all of us i liked it it was one of my favorite like first episodes of the season and i know bus said that last night too and i'm inclined to agree <clears throat> yeah like um i like i really like, didn't like the red woman as a first episode which one was that that was the one where at the end of it mel takes off the ruby velour Oh, and you see she's like a million. Yeah. Yeah, that was I, I don't remember that one per se, but I watched the second one recently because Bay and I were she was like, Well maybe like we can try it again. Yeah. We can just skip through like extremely violent and like the sex stuff and then I'll like let her know kind of like what happened or whatever. Or and we watched watch the first episode of season two where like it ends with like babies being slaughtered. <laughs> And I was like, man, like that was a pretty good episode overall. Like as far as like introducing some different things, but like that was rough ending. <clears throat> but right. it, it was good. Even this, the the opener to season seven was like it's like a lot of setup. Yeah, yeah, and I mean this one was too. This one, the whole thing was set up. Like nothing. It was. I, I thought they did some really good. St- I mean, maybe because we're at the end, so things are kind of starting to pay off. That, and- that, that's what it is. I, th- I think ultimately, like you're finding people who haven't seen each other since the first couple episodes, John and Arya, and like they're seeing each other again. Dude, that was huge. Um, <clears throat> I Tyrion and Sansa's meetup, I thought was really weird. Yeah. I yeah. Uh, okay. So just because I was I was watching I was following on Twitter, and so many people loved that scene. Yeah, I, I know. I've like watched some reviews and stuff, and it, people I love thought, it. I, I, I liked it. I like seeing them back together, but it's just crazy to see how world worn, world weary, like Sansa is now. Yeah, she's like hardened. Yeah, like she just doesn't trust anyone, dude. Yeah. <laughs> to use the vernacular, dude, girl was throwing shade at Danny all night. I know that was great. I actually loved their little like pissing contest. Yeah, when when when. 
I did not think Sophie Turner was a good actor, or maybe not not a good actress, but like she she, stepped up her game. Yes, definitely. And I mean the the line where she's like, "What do dragons even eat?" Like trying to like throw shade, and then Danny's like, "Whatever they want, bitch." Yeah, I love that. I thought that was great. I thought Amelia Clark did a good job at not hogging the scene. Yeah, usually. Her scenes are all about her, but especially right. now that she's with John and now that she's not even – where was she before? They were on Essos, right? That's the other island? Yeah. Now that they're back on like the mainland, like she has to share it with all these other people, and I think it's really interesting to see that power dynamic play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I thought that those scenes were really good. I think one of the best moments is when you see John standing up talking and you see like Daenerys is like looking up at him like longingly basically, and yeah. you see like – Sansa it like looks at Daenerys and then like looks up to where Daenerys is looking at John and then looks back down at her and you're like Sansa's realized that like John and Daenerys are banging. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, no, that that was that, I thought that was cool. I thought they did a lot of stuff with relationships. Nice to see Arya and Gendry get back together. Yep. I um, really I, I never cool. thought that they were going to be a thing, but one of my friends at work thinks they have a good possibility to be on the throne together. My gosh, dude. Is this the same friend that has all the other theories? No, this is another guy. I was going to say, you're, dude, the, I, I love these guys. They got all sorts of cool theories. I don't think they're going to end up on the throne, but I think they could end up together. Like, yeah. like they have such a good chemistry. And the way, like, Gendry even, like, looks at her, like, looks her up and down. is like, you look good. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, like, you've grown into kind of a woman now. Yes, Maisie Williams looks like a little girl. Oh, but yeah. I think she's, what, like, 20-something? So. Yeah. You know, it's like in the show, she's probably at least 16, 18 or whatever. And so like, it makes sense. Like Gendry's going to like notice her and that they were, they were friends before, you know, they were legitimate friends. I would, I would, I don't know. I, I doubt them on the throne, but I would love to see them get together. Yeah. That'd be super cool. Or, I mean, if they don't like, that's fine. Have them being like buddy, buddy. And then like, yeah, that would, I mean that. Just you, you, and, and you basically see like in the future, those two end up together. Like, you know that. Yeah. Um, which actually I, would be good storytelling. Uh, a couple more things, dude. Uh, who is the little Umber boy? Oh, Ned Umber, who's like the Lord of Last Hearth now. Okay, that was in. Did you see in? Gosh, dude, I don't remember if it was last season. I think it was last season. When season seven, did you watch all season seven? Yeah. So he gets named like him, and there's like him and a little girl. The Karstark girl or whatever. Okay. And they're like in Winterfell and all the lords are together deciding like what to do. And they're like, what do we do about these two kids whose like families were traitors and like sided with the Boltons? And then it's either, I think it's either Sansa or John. I forget who was like in charge at that time. But it's like, you guys played no part in this. You're kids. We're not going to kill you. You know, right. like we're naming you lord and lady of your respective houses and like you swear loyalty to us now and they did you know and so it was like and then i i knew that kid was gonna die though oh, like okay. first of all opening credits was sick yes showing starting in the land of always winter showing the wall going down even how it like panned up into the wall and then came back down you saw like the blue like ice like coming over it yeah that was coming so up to last hurt i was like oh okay shit's going down there this episode and then showing like the in and outs of Winterfell and the in and outs of King's Landing. It makes sense. We're only at two places now, really. Right. Like that's cool that it showed like, you know, going through the halls and then like down into the crypts and all that That was super cool to see. Love that. Uh, I thought the scene with the kid at the end was horrifying. Like, yeah, it was. Cause 
I mean, did you see his blue eyes before yeah. he started moving? Yeah, yeah dude. Really scary, which is that cool. Really the show's done something creepy in a while. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree. Like that was that was super. Like I mean, you see, I just noticed all the time. I was like, that kid's eyes are blue. And I was like, fuck, this is going uh, on. So two of the things. Oh, actually, three of the things. Uh, one, when Tyrion's like, that's not a bad sigil. At least it's better than an onion. Oh yeah. Who is he referring to? Davos. Oh. Okay. Davos's sigil is like an onion. It's like a it's like a black ship on a field with like an onion on the ship or whatever. Okay. Okay. So he was d- d- taking a jab at Davos. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The other thing, what do you think about the Greyjoy stuff? Uh, which part? Like Euron or Asha and Theon? I mean, I I, I meant Asha and, and Theon, but I I still don't. I thought I started to like Euron last season. I thought he was annoying this episode. Yes, I agree. He was kind of he was kind of fun last season, like doing the Jack Sparrow thing. Like he, he was pretty fun with it. And then the last episode when he did the weird, like when they all got together at the dragon pit and he, oh, yeah. he brought out the white walking. He was like, I've been all around the world. And this is the only thing that frightens me. We're selling whales. Like that was kind of a stupid scene yeah. like, for him. I really didn't like that. Um, Cause it, it was so unbelievable, you know? Right. Uh, and then coming in this one, like, I don't, I would have liked to see him, do something, but just like basically telling the queen that he wants to like, but his whole goal is like, fuck Cersei. Like that's kind of boring now. I want there to be more. I want him to like, actually the golden company works for him, not for Cersei. Like that would be interesting that like, he doesn't care about Cersei and he wants to like kill her type thing. So I thought the Asha and Theon scene was a little extraneous for how much stuff we have to get through. Unless that pays off somehow at the end. Like, I don't know if we needed Theon to go save Asha only for Asha to say, you really want to go to Winterfell, huh? Why don't, why don't you go ahead and go? Yeah, I felt like he had to do something since he like backstabbed her, but it is weird that now he's not going to like help her. To... I, I wonder if like that's the last we see of her. Right, and if it is, I think that's lame. I think if, if Greyjoy comes, maybe Greyjoy's fleet comes to fight the Gold Company, because right now, does oh, Danny has a couple ships. Yeah, she has. Well, she had the... Oh, that's right. She, yeah, she barely has anything now. Because her fleet, her, like, Asha and Theon's old Iron Fleet got destroyed by Euron. That's right. So maybe Greyjoy comes comes back to fight the Golden Company at some point? Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, I Like I said, I, I don't know how I feel about, about those scenes. Um, They're kind I mean, of petering out the way that, like, the Dorne stuff did, where they just, like, killed all the Dorne characters off. And right, and I was talking to other people, like, that's it, right? Oh, are we not going to see Tyrell or Martell this season? I, I think they're supposed to basically all be dead. Yeah. Oh, uh, and that girl. Oh, the only... I loved Sam. Oh yeah, that was great. That was Yo, really that good. again, incredible acting. When when yes. she told him she killed his parents, and he like was his, trying his, so his hard not to trembles. cry. Yeah. yeah, his lip trembles, and he like doesn't know what to say, and, but he still like keeps his manners because he can't be like "fuck you." Why'd you kill my brother that I love? Type thing, like. Yeah. And then I love that the way he tells John about his parentage when he's like, basically, fuck, fuck Daenerys. You should be king. Let's go take it. Like, even, she killed my family. And then he throws that line that we, I mentioned, like Bronson earlier, of like, dude, would she do the same for you? Yeah. Oh, that was great. Of like, you lay down your crown for the realm or your people, would she do the same? Which I don't, I think if you extrapolate that out, that doesn't really make sense. Of like, no, what, but it was a dope line. It was. It was a dope line. And when he says, when he, what he says, I'm not talking about the North. I'm talking about the bloody seven kingdoms or whatever. Yeah. That was sick too. That was, that, that was hype. 
I also like uh, Aegon six of his name just because I don't know the history. So there's been five other Aegon Targaryens. Yeah, Aegon the Conqueror. Uh, the fourth was Aegon the Unworthy. Fifth was Aegon the Unlikely. And I don't, I don't, I forget the second and third ones. And then, so um, I, I saw this online. John rides Rhaegal. Yeah. Which is his dad. Rhaegar is his dad. Yeah, it named like, after his dad. Dragon's yeah. named after yeah, yeah. his dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Super That's, cool. It's super sick. Really yeah. like that. And you called it early on. John rides a dragon. Oh yeah, for sure. I just didn't think it happened in the first episode, but that, that's fine. I didn't think it would either. I thought that they were going to tell us that he's a Targaryen before he does, but the show hasn't really gone hard on the, like, only Targaryens or dragon riders. Okay. In, like, Westeros, basically. Like, they, the, the dragon riders all came from old Valyria. Targaryens were a family. There right. were lots of dragon riders back then, but now it's, like, only people with Targaryen blood can ride dragons and tame them. And but like the show never talks about that, so it's like because it would be like John getting up on it. I mean, Daenerys just being like, "Go and hop on." It's like, yeah. I'm sorry, where does she get the idea that John could ride a dragon? First of all, and then second, it's like when he does, she should have been like, "Huh, like that's weird." I wonder. That is weird. I forgot that she doesn't know that he's a Targaryen. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought they would, they would. I didn't think he would be on the first. He would ride a dragon on the first episode either, because I didn't think that. Um, I, I I thought that they would it would everybody would find out he's a Targaryen first, right? And then they're like over there, and the dragons are kind of like partial to him, and so it's like, well, let's see if this, let's see if I really am a Targaryen, and he j- hops on and like rides. Nice, but um, all right, man, I'm I'm excited for this season. I what we have five episodes left at this point. Yeah, yeah, five. So probably like six, seven hours of content. A lot of stuff to get through. Um, yeah. I, I feel like like lost. I mean, there's going to be threads that aren't closed unless uh, it's a very stuffed narrative. Yeah, and and I feel like it'll be more so because lost. I mean, lost was what six seasons with twenty plus episodes a season, almost for almost all of them. Right. I mean, you have you have a lot of hours there, but. Uh, yeah, like with that show, I mean, you had things that, like didn't need to be tied up, right? Like little, little, little stories that like don't matter. This one, I think, all the big stories are going to be tied up. I think like you're going to know the fate of all the big characters, right? But we might not find out what happens to Hot Pie. Yeah, he might just seriously like be in that inn, like bacon pies for the rest of his life, and like that's cool. Yeah. All right, man. Yeah, it's it's going to be sick. Uh, let's uh, switch gears. Let's go to war real quick. You went to Jesse's name today. And mm-hmm. me and Plus went to Thrones War in San Diego yep. wow, like a month ago at this point? Two months uh, ago? Two months ago at this point, almost almost yeah. a month. So let's start um with yours. How was it, man? What did you what did you kind of take away from that one? Having been to both now. Um it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I didn't actually like really go out at all. Because okay. Friday night we got in pretty late and I was exhausted because I worked early in the morning, Friday morning, and like didn't get a rest because I was getting ready all day. So I was like really tired. So I just kind of like hung out and then went to bed. And then Saturday night I hung out for a little while, but the raffle took like two hours. Okay. Yeah, it was it was absolutely ridiculous. And so like during that time, like there was a big group of us just like down in the basement looking at your tickets or whatever, and then you know, people were upstairs in the bar partying or whatever. And then like when that got over, 
I didn't know if I was going to like need to grab an Uber, but there was like, there's a couple that was there. Um, and I'd been talking to them and I was like, Hey, can you just like, just give me a ride back to my hotel. And so we all like, they, they give me a ride back, um, at the end of the night. So I didn't really like stay very long at the party. Uh, and then Sunday, yeah, I left after the, there was like the, the cut and the trial of three. And then there was like, you know, some different little things, people, people playing board games and stuff and stayed a little bit for that and then headed out. Nice. What did you, what did you play? I played Martel Cohor. How'd you do? Uh, I went three, four. Um, I felt like I ran into a couple bad matchups that like my deck is just going to lose to. Yeah. Um, not too many of them. One was uh, Lanny Sun Shadows. That was, you know, so all but one of my attachments are negative attachments. I guess sure. I'll have Venomous Blade, but the, they're all basically negative attachments, and Venomous Blade doesn't do anything because, the, like, it was literally almost every card was in Shadows. Wow. There was, like, six Econ on the board and, like, six cards in Shadows. And I was like, I can't do anything here. And I knew he had his Viper Eyes. I assumed Robert Strong was in shadow so i was like i don't want to kill Ariane. i don't want to kill my character so i was like just super reluctant to do anything and i was right. just like an intrigue challenge i would do an intrigue challenge and then like you know sit back and afterwards we talked about it and he was like yeah he's like you know he's like because he won on time like seven to five or seven to four or whatever and uh he said yeah he's like you know he's like i think if you had just like attacked head on earlier on like you probably would have won nice so yeah, like so that was a bad matchup, and then um, I went against the Tyrell Dragon combo, and like just got bent over by that. Uh, King Plot, you know, I, I can't do anything against King Plot as Martel. Yeah, and I think he got like nine or ten power on that turn, so it was basically over then. And then what else? I lost to the Rat Cook deck, which I knew about and knew like it was a bad matchup for me. Um. But that was like fun to see, and then I lost to Stark. Stark reigns Fat Cat, which I thought I had a good match begin, and I forgot that they started running Beyond Reproach, which gets rid of all negative attachments. Right. And um, uh, I like I like threw them all out. On yeah, one yeah. Turn. I, I I think he got rid of four of them or whatever, wow. and I, I didn't need to. I could have kept some back. I've had, like, Condemned on two people, Beguiled, and another Beguiled, and I didn't have to have them all out, I, but I did. You know, I just kind of, like, blew my load early, and second plot or third plot, he flips Beyond Reproach, and I was like, fuck, I forgot about it, you know? And yeah, yeah. Then he just fat-catted away, and the game was over. Uh, but my wins were all good. I came from behind all against Greyjoy. Who's that's, playing, that's huge. Yeah, he's playing Greyjoy... Um, like big guys. What was it? it? Wasn't wars and it wasn't crossing. I I don't remember the agenda, but he's playing Greyjoy, big guys, big Asha, big Euron, big Vic, all these people. And uh, oh, he was playing though the Balon from the box, which right. takes the card out of your freaking discard pile. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> which was sick because he did it. Um. But I had a begging brother to cancel it once that I needed. It was like my the key thing I needed was for him not to take my Doran Martel out of my discard pile. Right. So like be able to block stuff. And he was up ten to two or whatever, ten to three maybe. And uh I waited to turn to uh Doharis. Yeah. Because I knew oh, it was Greyjoy Wolf, that's what it was. Cause he had he had Arya, uh duped Balon, duped Asha. 
Bran, Lord Support Shipwright, and like one other little dude. He had like a big ass board, and I knew who's going to heir to the Iron Throne. Uh, to grab like Tazaki the Bran or Asha, and so instead of doing my Doharis, I waited a turn and I did Return to the Fields, and right. I only had three characters on the board. Like no, I didn't have my Flea Bonham. I had like a, it was Dornish Spy, I think a Begging Brother that had no gold and something else. And he and he was like, oh, did you think I was going to Valor when I flipped Return to the Fields? Uh, and because I didn't sack anybody, because I was like, I need all my characters to like not die. And I was like, no, like, I thought you were going to flip this. He's like, well, why would you flip Return of the Fields and then keep all your stuff then? Yeah. I was like, I don't know. You know, I was like, because I didn't want to use my other two plots, you know? Yeah. Next turn, Doharisim, he has to get rid of Balon and Euron. And he flipped, actually, he flipped Beyond Reproach against me. And I was like, oh, I wonder what he's going to keep or what he's going to do. And so I went first, and I made... Doharis go first, so I could try to get attachments back. Okay. Before yeah, yeah. he before he got rid of them, and it worked because he got rid of Balon and he got rid of Euron, and so I got three attachments back to my hand. Uh, and he only got rid of the one on Asha, so he kept like Asha and a Lord's Port ship, right? I think. And from there, I was able to get the attachments on Asha and Southron Messenger back to his hand. Okay. Which was a sick play, and that was basically the end. I was able to like rack up the, to the fifteen power quickly after that, just getting on a post stuff. Nice. Yeah. So it, that was like that was probably my best game, where it was like this played like a Martell deck is supposed to. Um, so that was cool. I, I played, beat that, and I beat um, Barrel Watch. She just like I don't know. I don't even think she had the wall in the deck. What's, uh, okay. Well, what's that deck supposed to do? It's power challenge based. Okay. Like, not winning, not losing on pose, like multiple haunted force, um, and like just trying to red keep. I think just trying to win power challenges. I'm not uh, sure what you need to watch on that one. I don't know either. I think haunted force helps you like on defense. Okay, sure. And then, but it, it was it was kind of a weirder deck. Um, and it actually at one point, like I thought I was winning the game. I was like, I've controlled this game from turn one, and I looked down, and she's at like seven power, and I'm at two or three i was like hold on how am i not winning this right now and so i had to like i think i was like getting a little sloppy i had desert raider sitting in my dead pile like all game yeah i just forgot about him i wasn't triggering him or thinking about it uh but i ended up like walking away with that one um pretty handily and then um because my attachments were able to like get rid of like all the characters in uh then i also beat a What's the other faction? I'd be Barra, I'd be Greyjoy. Tyrell? No, I lost to Tyrell, lost to Lanny. You lost, lost to Stark. Stark. And lost to Night's Watch. Oh, I beat Targ. I beat a Targ Crossing. Okay, yeah. Um, 15 0, because I naveled his. Oh, I, I had Naval in my deck with Apron Sorens Behest. Yeah. So Apron Sorens Behest, like the first, um, first plot every time. And. I naveled trading twice and late summer feast once. And so like that always felt good. I naveled um, the Targ players trading turn one. Uh, right. And then, yeah, just control dominated the whole game. I mean, it seems pretty, like, I, told, I said on the, on the text, like I, I feel like it's pretty hard to come back from if you don't have any econ. Yeah. Yeah. And the only reason I think it worked against the Tyrell dragon player is when he has King plot, which shuts me out for a turn, but he had, he set up the Arbor. So okay. he was still yeah. getting three gold from that, and then 
I, I'm not able to do much early on, especially with Naval. Like I'm, I only have so much gold. And I think I had kind of had a bad draw that game. So I had like a lot, like my hand was a little clunky with like, like ambush four and five cost characters. So I was really only able to do like one thing a turn. I couldn't try to like get ahead real quick. Um, uh, but yeah, the other ones where it, it, it definitely hurts whenever you can hit them with it. Oh yeah. And especially if you can come back from it, man. I remember <clears throat> having like a good flop with Greyjoy and then hitting Naval turn one. Yeah, I remember getting naval all the time. So, or I, I also like doing sneak attack turn one, clear naval turn two, naval turn two because I'm assuming you're gonna yeah. uh, hit a high econ plot. That was back when. So that was back when what I was talking about earlier before we uh, started this. When I said like there are times like you'll play me and like I'll be my own downfall. I remember you said like I like to naval turn two. I was like, well, he told me that, so now he knows that I think he's gonna naval turn two, so he's gonna naval turn one. And I was like, I'm not gonna flip noble cause turn one in my Tyrell deck. Like, I'm gonna do it second turn instead, and then I just get blown out by it. It was, it was, God, man, that sucked. But it was super fun. In the trial of three, I played uh, Night's Watch, uh, Wars. I played Builders, and I won all three of my games. That's sick. I wanna, I wanna do that. Our, our other. Um, event which me and Bus decided not to do, and we just ended up watching the the finals, which actually was a lot of fun to yeah. just watch like some high level thrones and just right. talk to people. Um, ours was the uh, driver, car. Oh, driver, and yeah, where you put in a deck and the and winner, then, the people, person who like their their deck and them gets like the most combined wins. Right, and then so you have the overall winner, then you have the best deck, and then the best driver. Mm-hmm. And I think Neil might have had the best stack, and like the best overall was Eric Green, I think. Okay. Um, which sounds like fun, but I, I, going into it, I was so worried about my deck. I like was tinkering with it, um, up until Zach's wedding, pretty much. Yeah, me too. Morning of, I was still looking. I was like, throw one Doran or two Doran. Like, what are my plots gonna be? Yeah. Yeah. I went. I ended up playing Tyrell Sun. I was pretty happy with it. I just I knew off the bat I didn't want to play Tyrell Rush. Yeah, I, I liked your deck. Outside of a like trying like we were trying to figure out some combo with it that we like was just above us. Yeah. Um, I think that Brienne combo is probably there if I could just figure it out. Brienne, like big Brienne. Yeah. Yeah, I think it probably isn't super um, reliable, but like. And the... maybe that's what it is: is that oh, it exists and you can get it, but it's just it's. Not reliable. Yeah, you, you don't have you don't have the crazy draw you used to have. But I think it's still like Brienne. I think if you're not using her as a combo piece, but as like a like she's a main centerpiece of a of a rush deck. Yeah, I think it works really well. I think you can probably get a lot of power on her with like Randall and Nine of Flowers all in like a turn. You know, right? Because um, I was swinging for when we built that deck. I couldn't get 15, but I had swung for like 12 or 13 before. Yeah, and I, I used to do that when um, when we kind of built our own little rush decks. And I played Barra, Barra Wolf. Yeah. I would get to – I would usually win on the beginning of turn three. I would, yeah, I'd I remember like, that. I would flip Clash of Kings as my first plot, as my yeah. third plot, and I would do a power challenge on the first uh as my first challenge and just like get all the power there was and like so i was usually winning by the beginning of turn three like pretty consistently so you know i think there are definitely like rush decks that can do that i like uh 
Lanny Crossing. I took that one day to game night here because like all the guys here were on Team Stark. Yeah. And like when we would like all be testing or whatever, they would never play a different deck against me when I played my Martel. Because why should they? Yeah. So I basically was just playing in Stark all day long with Martel Cohort. Yeah. And so then I was like, well, this is so, like, I'm tired of it. So I just played Lanny Crossing and that deck still just like rolls people. Yeah. That deck's insane. I remember. So I, I beat a Lanny Crossing uh, at war, which nice. I was really happy with. Yes. And uh, it was, uh, there was that one girl who always cosplays, not Michelle, the other one. Oh, Christian. Yeah. Christian. Um, And she, I don't know if she just, well, she, I think I just got rid of a lot of stuff. Yeah. Really yeah. Awesome. I mean, you, you, I think your deck does pretty well against. Um, um, she saw Tywin. She she saw Tywin reduce to Rose Road. Yeah, so did I. Um, but I, I think I Valor turn one. Uh, yeah, and then she Always saw no more Econ after that, which sucked for her. Yeah, and that deck that deck like needs Econ. Very and then much. like she ended up seeing uh, Big Cersei at some point, but I was just able to at, at that point it was just too too long. She was going too many turns where she wasn't really able to do anything. Yeah, I had enough stuff that would hold her on lockdown. The the biggest part with my deck, and I still don't think I found the right balance, although I, I liked it by the end, is that I still had a weak win condition. Mm-hmm. My deck could stall most people using the Tyrell and, and Martel pieces, but it was that I, I needed to have Renly out to win. It needed Brienne to win. It needed... Something to, to push the yeah, tide. Yeah, you almost need like regular old Tyrell characters to kind of push you over with like renown and stuff like that. Um, which is, I mean, that's how I, I and, and by the end, I had a pretty good balance where it was working pretty well, but it wasn't as good as I as I might have liked it. I think I, I figured that out too late. Yeah, my favorite game was against Martel Shadows. I lost, but oh man, it was. <laughs> Just both of us back and forth, like yeah. blanking this guy, blanking this guy, you know, counter, counter, counter. And his play, and he and he said it too, is I had Renly out for two turns, and um, he pulled Jack in and put it into Shadows for free, and then propped it for free with that one card. Starfall Spy. Yeah. Yeah. And was able to get rid of Renly. That's rough. And that was, and and I thought about it. That's one of those like I I totally. Forgot that Martel Shadows could play Ren, um, Jackin. Jackin, yeah. So yeah. I didn't even think in terms of I, when I thought, okay, what is, what could he have in Shadows? Like Lanny, I, yeah, I'm always like, okay, maybe Robert Strong's in there, mm-hmm. maybe um, um, Ferris is in there. Yeah, but I totally didn't think about Jackin. Pulls Jackin, gets rid of Renly, and he even said he was like, if that guy stayed, I would have lost. Yeah, he's like, I have no answers for Jack for for Renly in this deck. Mm-hmm. I was like, fuck. So that was rough. Um, Greyjoy, I didn't like the game, but I lost turn one more or less. Like, yeah, I I had Varys and he like flopped his whole board, and then some. I forgot what happened. He played his whole board and he had two cards left, and one of them was the fanatic. Yeah, oh, that's what it was. Yeah. I, I won an entry claim with Varys and I had a fifty fifty shot. Yeah. I, it, it was one of those things where like I knew he had the fanatic. Right. And I pulled, like you just knew, and I pulled a road right. road, and I could see it on his face that he was like safe, and I was like, "Fuck." Yeah. So I still I had to do it, so I still proc Varys, and of course he stops it. Yeah. I still Valored next turn, but it didn't matter. Like, like right. I, I don't know. It was that difference. I I would have had it, dude, because I would have had gold next turn. Like. Yeah. Yeah. That one sucked. I was bummed about that, but but I beat a Targ, 
uh, Sea of Blood. Nice. Which was, uh, if any of you guys know, that's my kryptonite. Yeah, Sea of Blood was like the thing I was like most worried about going in, and I didn't see any of it. So yeah. that was fortunate. I, I mean, just you no know, in Targ in general. I just I shut down against Targ, and I forgot how to play. Yeah, I like. Yes, and that's one thing I had to do is I kind of just like ran headlong into him. I was like, if you got the drag, and he did. I think I saw all three Dracarises. Like it didn't matter because I was still like killing his board, you know, and I was killing his hand, and I was getting power. Well, that's what um, Roy told me in the first war of like, you can't like 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 depending, but for the most part, if you sit there worried about your Karis, like you're gonna lose, right? So and you got to figure out what you're willing to sacrifice yes. because he's gonna burn something. You got to bait it out with something. Yeah, no, you so don't he's like, your... so what's he gonna do? He's either gonna drag a small guy or he's gonna let that guy through. So you either get unopposed or you lose a guy. Right. You know, at some point you're probably going to lose something you really need. Mm-hmm. But you need to get those cards out because then they're done. Yep. Yep. And against this guy, um, that's what was happening. I was just like, okay, I'll just go in. Um, especially if you had no dragons, I was like, fine, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, definitely. But it would just sucks because, like, I know against Targaryen, like, I'm just going to run headlong into it. To some degree, you know, but against Atlantis' son that I probably should have, I didn't. I was so like, I was just put on edge, and I thought, well, if I can just play injury challenges, win those, like I'll win this game, and you know, it just wasn't happening. And there came a point where I should have just like committed more. Yeah. Um, but underhanded methods kept being like my worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> so you put it in the shadows, and then you throw it on like the hound. So I was trying to keep like the hound like on the board, so I could like valor or something. And so he would bring the hand out of like with flea because he would gold mine the hound in to discard flea bottom him out and then do a challenge. I was like, Oh, block for more. And then he'd pull underhanded methods out of shadows. Hound gets plus five. I'm like, yep. Forgot about that again. Okay. He's oh, back. I, I, I do the same thing with pinch. Yeah. I just, I forget that you have six of them in shadows. Right. Yeah. And that was actually one of the last turns was he put a pinch Mid challenge on to like one of my characters. He did a challenge with Tyrion for four strength. I didn't defend. He pinched Tyrion, uh, my character. I had to use, I had Doran out. And so I had to use um, Starfall to remove one of Tyrion's icons so that if he puts underhand methods on him, I could use Doran to kick him out of the challenge. And I had wanted to use Starfall on like the other character. And so it like sucked that I was like, well, now like I'm stuck having to like, you know, totally messed up my game plan pinch. And like, of course he had pinch. I just totally forgot it was a card. Oh yeah. I do the, I do the same thing. I'm like, um, Why would this deck run pinch? But it's like, of course it runs pinch. Uh, okay. So before we move on to plots, a uh, real quick, big shout out uh, to bus who for one buck has the best record of any of us at war. Mm-hmm. Coming in with four and three, running his uh, Stark Fat Cat deck. Well, not his, but a Stark cat, Fat Cat deck. Uh, super, super proud of him. The guy, both of us hung over his shit, and he just wrecked all day. Um, yeah. It, it was cool. It's cool because I, I, a lot of times uh, we'll go to tournaments and bust. So it's like he, he'll lose and he gets kind of down. But, man, dude, he was, like, killing it all day. It was great. Good. Yeah, four three. Like that's what that's what I wanted from this one. Yeah, and so he was super proud of. So he, uh, for a dollar when we did the match, he he was one of the highest value 
players at war that year. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think him and another player. Well, so Dan um, Maynard, made, I think either made it to the finals or made it to the semifinals. He went for $2. Oh, yeah. yeah. Eight and something. And we were like, no, no, no. Like, the math works out. Bus is just as valuable as him. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Right. Uh, all right. So that sums up war. Um, we're going to take a really quick break, and then we'll be right back, and we're going to talk about plots. I mean, and then it's kind of like what I want to talk about with plots of like, oh, like new or pl- old plots come back into fashion all the time. Yeah, kind of. Or cards, card or dude, there's cards that like, oh, hey, that card works now. Yes, that happens where it's like Brandon's gift, right? Brandon's gift was a bad card. They released yes. the Mad Watch box. There were enough builders that you're like, oh, we could actually make a builder's defense deck. Okay, Brandon's gift is good now. Yeah, you know, but. Yeah, I mean, we can jump right into the plots then. All and right. So that could be our first one of like talking about like, so you mentioned political disasters kind of had a recent resurgence. Right. Why do you think that is? Well, it, because of how location heavy so many decks have, have gotten or, or have become. I think um, the, one of the biggest keys to that is there's so much econ for each mm-hmm. faction now and so many different options for econ. Yep. So right off the bat, um, you don't have what the. I remember we joked about too, like at one point, oh, like you have your three kings roads, your three rose roads, and your three reducers mm-hmm. automatically. So you like you're only building a 51 card deck. Or yeah, like like that was what a year ago, two years ago, we were like, oh, so no matter what, you have to have that. Right, you have nine cards automatically in your deck, plus the three reducers from your own house. Like right. now you're at 12 cards. You yeah, know. and then if your knights watch, you're fucked. Right. Because, yeah. But now it's there's so many more options for that, which I love as, as like someone who likes building decks. Mm-hmm. But since there's so many more options, it's really easy to go overboard. Two, so much of your econ now is spread. I mean, with King's Roads, you didn't always have a lot of locations on the board because you're sacking them back and forth. Right. Now with so many locations on the board, you, you know, it's easy to play political disaster because, you know, everyone's going to have – it's going to hit everyone now. Right, and I think one of the big things is you have so because there's enough econ and econ's different somewhat, and so it allows you to have econ based on what your deck is trying to do. King's Roads you tend to see in rush decks, right? Not in a deck that's trying to go the long haul. They don't want that location sitting on the board. They want, you know, uh, they want their two gold location or things like that. And so now because you have enough different types of econ, your deck can be tailored towards it. And then I think one of the big things that help political disaster is the, you're now allowed to dupe limiteds, yeah. like unique limiteds. And that doesn't count as your limited for the turn. So now Tyrell should probably have political disaster in like most of their decks while the meta is still location heavy. Cause it's like the Arbor and Redwine shirt should be three ofs in all your Tyrell decks now. Yeah. Dupe them up, political disaster, save other ones, get rid of the dupe. Um, I also think that I'm, – I mean, I'm trying to think off the top of my head if there's a faction that doesn't have utility locations that are almost one-ofs in your decks. What do you mean? So something that like – okay, so Tyrell um, – I mean, in any of my decks, I'm running Old Town or High Tower or uh, 
High Garden or you know any of these these locations that are going to do things in Martell. I'm running uh, Water Gardens or I'm going to run uh, Dorn or Sunspear or, or Gaston Gray. Yeah, or Gaston um, in Night's Watch. Uh, take your pick. Target uh, right. or Pause of Pride. Like there's uh, Stark. You have Skagos and eh. Winterfell. Winterfell. Yeah. So, um, you know, yeah, so now every every faction has solid locations that do cool shit mm-hmm. to the point where you want those. <clears throat> they're so good that you almost want them in most decks. Right. Almost. You you want some version of it, right? Old Town's a card that you probably want in almost any deck because like that can be a free power every turn. Draw right. a card and get power. And what like excites me about Tyrell, especially when I was building, is that. <clears throat> those those kind of interactions that you can do with Old Town. What was it Mark Mullendore? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know him, and then the that spy guy or what the guy that flipped back and forth to the top of your deck. Doing something, yeah, right to make it more reliable to grab that top card. Yeah, New there were games where that. I mean, th- th- when I had that popping, and then you know Renly and 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 Randall on the board, mm-hmm. I, the game's short at that point. That was, I mean, that was one of the the first regional I ever went to. I played Martel Lion, and I had Ariane and the Hound. And, like, there was a game where I literally just, like, I would marshal Ariane, use her in a challenge, pop her back, throw on the Hound, do a challenge with him, win, bring him back, maybe ambush, fad more gold from Tyrion, things like that. Like, there are those, like, combos that, like, once you get them rolling, like, the game's over. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm short, unless you can kind of stop it. But those, and, and I remember playing someone at war, and they were, like, they saw me get that stuff out, and I assume they had no answers. So they're like, "I should probably give up now because that's just gonna roll me." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Don't give up! Like, let's just keep playing." Yep. And so we kept playing. Um, and I did roll them, but it's fine. I I have had games though where it's like um, either on Iron Throne or even in person here, where it's like they'll kind of like. I'll like get I'll get like way behind like quickly or like there'll be some like terrible thing that happens and I'm like well I probably lost and it's like let's play it out though and then I come back and win and I'm like oof like I probably I should not have won that game you know but it's like sometimes your deck has outs and there's a guy I was talking to he's one of the Wausau locals who like has played mag- magic forever but like this was his first like Game of Thrones tournament type thing. Uh, that like brats recruited a bunch of those guys to play, and he we were talking in the trial of three, and I was asking him, I was like, oh, it's so, like, do you like it or things like? That. He's like, well, he's like, you know, I feel like sometimes uh, the game is decided by the first turn. And I was like, see, I hear that a lot, and he even said that I was like, you know, I was like, that might just be the mark of like someone who's like a better card player than me. I was like, because I don't see that as much anymore. Yeah, I don't see. I can see a blood. Sure, that that is how it goes. If they can get off, because that is like. That is a classic, like snowball effect. That's a weird one because I agree. The the I fought two Sea of Bloods, and both times I didn't let them um, hit it, and I won those games. Yeah, and it, and right because it's like once they can get rid of a key character or a key location that's econ usually. How do you plan on winning that game? Because you don't have enough gold to get characters out, or they're killing your big character. So then, like, you have even less military icons. And it's one of those like when maybe it's just on Iron Throne that it feels like this because uh, it, it felt different in person. It's just like it really does just feel like a snowball. Now, now you're losing like three characters a turn. Right now it's like oh you have two things on your 
you have two um, blood tokens on your faction card, and now you go and now you get we do not sell and put to the torch or and put to the sword on the same turn. Now you get all your events are free, basically. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And and like <laughs> like oh, you have Isle of Ravens. Of course you do. Right. Right. That actually happened in the store championship here. I was playing a Martel Sea of Blood, and I was playing the Martel Alliance Kraken Stag deck. Yeah. And he had two put to the torches in his deck. I assumed he had three, but I pulled for intrigue claim out of seven cards in his hand. I pulled the Citadel Archivist that shuffled everything back in, and he'd used both put to the torches. Once on my own throne, uh, and once on Dorn, I think is what it yeah. was. I think he might have even had my Dorn at that point. But I put Iron Throne out like again, and it got put to the torch again. And it was one of those where I was like, "Man, Citadel Archivist, just like first of all, what a cool card." Yeah. But, um. Yeah, that was rough. So uh, going back to political disaster, what what do you think is the next plot that's going to see, or what do you th- where where the meta shifting? What do you think is going to be coming up the ranks here? I don't know because that's what I wrote down about this. I said, "What's next?" And I said, "Well, where's the meta now?" You know, I said the next resurgence depends on where the meta is and what counters it well. Right. At Worlds 2017, we saw a lot of crossing that was running Superior Claim, Clash of Kings, Weapons of the Door, High Initiative stuff, Heads on Spikes. And it was because it counters control and combo that was popular at the time. All the Euros brought these crossing decks that went incredibly fast because they had been getting beat by combo all year in regionals and store champs. And so I think that, like, right now the meta is when you have Sea of Blood is a big factor of it. Okay. And then with that, I, I don't know what else. I, like, aggro seems to just be common. Free Folk is still a deck, you know. It isn't yeah. in the war format because they ban it, but, like, Free Folk is still a deck. And so Sea of Blood and Free Folk are both aggro decks. So to counter that stuff, I, I really don't know. I, th- I I don't know what plot is going to either force March, but that's already really popular. Right. And do you think that that there is anything out there right now that can help? Because essentially, you're, like, it sounds like what you're saying is is control needs a piece that it doesn't have to yes. outlast. And I think there are cards that do it, like In the Name of the King for Barra. Right. That's a big one to help stop, like, some like big stuff. Um, yeah, I was thinking about, on, was thinking about building a bear deck recently and uh, going back to three of in the name of the king and yeah, burning on the sand really helps against free folk. Like oh, yeah. because it drops it to zero. And right. Yeah. And like so, if you get one of those, you do it on the mill, and then they're not going to do a thing. And so then what? They're going to try to win an intrigue to get the double. Like they have to think about what to do next. You know. So, like, there are cards that do it. The new um, barrel plot that's going to be coming out in the box where it says, like, name a challenge. None of those can be initiated this round. That's right, yeah. That's a cool one. That's a cool one in, like, Melee, too. What um, do you think about, like, do you think something like Calm? Um, I think I... I uh, Popular again? I, I, I saw three of them at war. Yeah, yeah. And I, I had Calm in my testing until At the Gates came out and I added that in. But, um... I think I think I think it's possible you're going to see more call me out because it's like okay, well I won't lose two characters against Sea of Blood, I'll just lose one. Right. Same against um, you know, Free Folk or whatever, you know. Yeah, but, I, think, I think that's interesting. I think uh, I'm thinking Calm might go the way of like Close Call, where for a while people were kind of down on that plot. Now I, it's everywhere. Close Call is really common. So I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that yeah, like it used to not be very popular, and now it is, and I think it's because like. 
I, I almost don't know. Like, why why is close call so well, much better? So I, 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 like uh, I feel like on message boards and talking to you and just talking to other people, I feel like no one likes time of plenty. So here's what it is. There's a specific group of people, a vocal minority that don't like time of plenty. And I'll tell you why, because I talked I talked to Nick Hansen about this. Okay. Uh, cause he gave me one of the time of plenty, like, um, an extra one, which I think I'm going to give to you or whatever, if you didn't right. have it, but a time of plenty, um, the new plot that was in the store champ yeah, he's like, I'll never play it. And I was like, well, you know, why don't you like, he's like, well, he's like, you know, he's like, it doesn't do anything. He's like, you're coming out. Even you're giving your opponent a card. You're drawing a card. Like that doesn't do anything for you. You know, it basically, it basically like the way it reads its text is basically just blank and you both draw an extra card this phase you know it's a 6-1-1 with seven reserve or whatever and that's why people like it people like it for its stats it's a summer plot right so it can't be navelled. it is it doesn't have you can't be riddled um it's got good reserve it's got good gold like it's a safe opener right and i was right. going to talk about like what makes something a good opener and short like gold having good gold because you want to set up your board your deck is built for the long game, but also for a first turn. Right. You always have an idea of what you want your first turn to look like. Sea of Blood wants to get off a key, put to the torture, or put to the sword. They want big mill icons on the board on the first turn. You know? Um, and so you want a plot that will give you money to be able to build your board or your backboard however you want it to look. You know, and you want something that is safe. And so, like, that's a safe one. But the guys in Wausau, they actually like Calm, calm Over Westeros more than Time Plenty because they're like, it does something. You're stopping I I don't. As much as I really respect all those guys as players, I don't agree that it does nothing. I, I, I agree with it in this. I don't think it's a bad plot. I'll say that. I don't think it's a bad plot, but I agree with them that it doesn't technically do anything. Well, it does, but it, it but it puts you both at the same game state. Right, so it doesn't do anything for you. I guess if you're adding... Because if the game state's staying the same, you know, it's not really... Well, the game state's not staying the same. You guys are both now at the same game state. You guys are both at a better spot. I, I, I don't know. Sure. Well, you guys both now have an extra card. Right. I mean, so this is something we talked about before. You were like... Where you say like, well, I have to assume my cards are better than yours. I'm like, I, that isn't. Well, I'm not even arguing that 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 I'm that. that so that was my dragon so like You both I, have I, more I, options. I, you gave your opponent an additional option. Right now, we both have an additional option. I, right. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not even arguing that I'm hoping my cards better than yours. I'm saying we're changing the game state, but we're still at the same game. We're we're still equal, but we're both getting an extra option. Yeah, and so that and so that's where it's like, well, so it's not doing anything then. Because if you're both still equal, it has not helped you in any way over your opponent. Right. It, has not, it has not it has not given you an, an advantage or your opponent. Uh, yeah, so I'll go with you there. I, I'm not gaining an advantage by playing right. this. I might be gaining extra options. Sure. And or I am getting extra options. You're gaining an additional card, yes. And you're giving them an additional option as well. Right. Right, and so that's where it's like I I would never say time of plenty is a bad plot. I think it's a fine opener, but that's the only time I think you should play it. Um, and I think there are potentially better openers. And but I understand the idea that like it's not a plot that does anything, and you have seven. 
possibly 10 in your deck. They all should do something. Okay. You know, and six gold trading with Pintoshi arguably would be a worse plot in that mind, right? If you're giving three gold to your opponent. Yeah. You have 10 gold to work with now though. You know, like that's pretty big. If if time of plenty red gain four gold, give your opponent three gold. You're gaining a gold out of that, you know? Right. Do you think trading is a good opener? Yeah. Okay. I mean, this is something. This is something you and I, I talked about. I think because there are decks that want big characters and that you want to be able to put them out. Sure, sure. This is something you and I talked about, and I, I said it's funny because late summer feast is actually a better opener, and trading's a better middle plot because late summer feast you're giving them cards. They already have a handful of cards. Right. Late game, you don't want to give them cards when their hand's been depleted. Right. Trading, you're giving them extra gold in the beginning of the game to play out more cards. Whereas yeah. in the middle of the game, their hand's been depleted. So giving them more gold doesn't do much. Right. Granted, there's now enough draw and economy that like Yeah, that's all that's all that that makes sense in the broad sense. Right. But yeah, I think I think trading's a fine opener. Um one, because your opponent isn't counting on that three gold. They're playing a plot they have a plan of what they're doing with it. They're like, okay, I'm gaining seven gold this phase from this Rose Road and Time of Plenty. Right. Like, I'm gaining my seven gold. When you get three more, it's like, oh, okay, well, what else can I do now? Sure, it like changes up what your plan for your turn was, which isn't a bad thing because you're giving them more gold. Right. But they weren't expecting that. So now it's just like a little added bonus for them. What about uh, – so, okay, let's get, let's get back to the generalities, though. Like, what is a good opener? Or do you think it depends on your deck? Are there any plots that are always going to be good openers? I think at the gates will always be a good opener. Okay. I think. Um, is there okay? Is there a downside to that plot at all? Um, a downside is that it has zero initiative, which I don't like in an opener. Right. If okay. games are decided on the first turn, or if games can be heavily like influenced by the first turn, you want to be able to control what happens on the first turn. Sure. Okay. Zero initiative, I think hurts it. Um, Other than that, no, like people, someone can riddle it, I guess, or, I mean, it can be enabled. I enabled an navigate before testing. Cause it was like, well, sure. Go grab your like great hall or whatever, but, or your gates of the moon, but you're only getting two gold now. Yeah. Um, but no, in general, I don't think there is. And it's funny because, yeah, everybody in podcasts and stuff kept saying, like, at the gates can be everywhere. And I haven't seen it much. And I don't know why that is. I, I'm one, I don't know if it's players are bad or if it's people are afraid of getting riddled or what it is. But I haven't really seen that plot that much. I've been putting it in most of the decks I've been building, though. It's reliable gates of the moon. Yeah. Well, and you, you, know, you, you get too limited that turn. You get too limited that turn. Huge. Dude, taxation, not right, that great we'll, of a plot. Save that because I want to get to taxation in a second here. I like it, but go ahead. Yeah. Um, uh, so what about – so back in the day, what was the biggest opener? Noble. Noble. What do you think about Noble now? Wait, what? What do you think about Noble now as an opener? I think, I think Noble is still good. Okay. I think, that, I think that Noble is still good in certain decks. I think that – because there are enough characters now and enough different styles of decks, your decks don't all tend to be mid range, like decks with lords and ladies, like high cost lords and ladies. Right, which is interesting. Again, back I remember at the time thinking like, wow, like 
I can't put Noble in this Night's Watch deck because I have no Lords or Ladies. What am I going to do? Right. Um, All right, so let me ask you this. Probably the most common opener that I saw at War, and that I, I see a lot lately, and, and it's been around for a while, is Riddle. Really? Okay. So it was literally between Riddle and Time of Plenty. Yeah. I'm almost positive six out of the seven games were those. Okay. I'm trying right. to think what an, an, another opener. I don't think – I think one person might have opened trading. Yeah. But then again, I also watched a lot of Thrones. Right. And Riddle was just everywhere. Yeah. I'm not a person who really plays Riddle a lot. Yeah. So what do you think about Riddle as an opener? I, that was another one you were thinking when you said, what, what are always good openers? Um, and I said, at the gates. I think Time of Plenty is another one. I, I do. I, I think it is a little boring, um, and I tend to not put it in my plot deck now that I've kind of heard the argument of, like, why it's a bad plot or whatever. Sure. Um, but because I'm like, okay, well, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, let me put calm in there instead. Let me, you know, have a little be a little more successful building on my board, things like that. But Riddle's another one I think is like, sure, you can hit the wrong thing, but like Riddle's a great one. Riddle is a very good like opener. Do you think that is it that the the chances of hitting something bad are way outweighed by hitting something good? Well, let's think of what are common openers time of plenty i say you end up on the better end of that deal they have one more gold than you but you want initiative and you get the extra card um at the gates you gain a location as well and you want initiative trading you gave them three gold yeah if no. you're running riddle you might like a lot of those decks also run varus you know and it's like they actually that used to be a super calm thing where it's like you wanted like a Night's Watch Wolf. They like ran Riddle first plot because it was when trading was so popular and they wanted to hit trading because they're like, oh, dump out your whole board. I'm gonna yeah, yeah. do first turn. Um, what else? Summer Harvest beat Summer Harvest. You have to be first player, um, which you tend to not want to do if you're a deck that's running Riddle, but like you just gave them two gold. Um, the two where it can hurt is one is March to the Wall. Yeah, I was thinking about March. But if you're in a position where if you're a deck that's running riddle first plot, you're probably not a deck that is setting up a key character, like like two characters. You probably wanna be you probably wanna riddle a marched. You set up one character, they set up two good ones. You wanna get rid of both of them. Which yeah, happens in a lot game. of times if if they're playing March, they don't want to double march. Right. And that was something that I have definitely done is i've riddled someone's march knowing that it was coming so i was like all right fine neither of us will have any characters on the board until the start yeah, of the and, and if you can and that's one of those draw things right we're like well i mean this is better for me ultimately yeah even though yeah. we're both at the same spot right um uh because if i set up one character that means i probably set up a better backboard than you or i got characters in shadows or things like that you know and now you have more gold probably more gold worth of investment that you've gotten rid of than i did on setup um, falling from favor is probably the worst one to hit. Yeah. Because you were not counting on sacrificing a character. Sure. That is because usually falling from favor is an open air for like a assault deck or something like that that like doesn't set up characters. Okay. And like they want the high initiative because they win initiative and they, they don't lose anything and you're losing a character now. Oh, so, that's interesting. I haven't think I haven't thought about falling from favor like that. Okay. Yeah. Um so I think that's probably the worst one to hit, but for the most part, like you hit late summer feast. Well, you know what? You don't get anything out of that other than possibly some cards, but you want initiative. So right. it's like, it doesn't, it, there's very few bad things to hit and mostly it's just good for you. 
What do you think about, um, and both of us have done this a couple times, where those situations where you're opening up with Valor, do you think that's always going to put you on your hind legs? Yeah, but I think that's sometimes a fine place to be with certain decks. That you kind of have, like, if if you're at the point where you really where you really need to Valor first turn because they had some absurd flop, right? And that's like, what you got to do. And I think you should only do that if you have reliable econ. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think at Prince Joins Behest is always going to be a good opener for Martel. I used to not think that. I used to be against opening at first plot because I was like, well, you don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. I used to think, oh, that's better, like, like second or third turn, you know? I still but think it's more interesting then, but yeah. It, it is, for sure. Um, but, like, first turn it is. Like, I think it's still a fine thing. Um, with Valor, like, yeah, it, it is hard. You, you need to have lots of gold, though, if you're doing that, because zero claim hurts, and only two gold really hurts. Right. Um, all right, what else we got for plots? Um, let's see. We talked about, oh, auto includes. Okay. Uh, so I, I think a lot of this is going to be repeats. I mean, do you think Valor is an auto include or do you think one of the Valors is an auto include? Nah. So what I wrote was, um, it's funny you mentioned that cause I said, I don't think there are anymore. I think you can build decks that don't want to reset decks that want a specific reset or decks that want many resets. Okay. Agreed. Like, I think there are decks that do not want you don't want valor you don't want doharis you don't want first snow you don't want any of it okay um and i think that i think that i tend to not build decks that way yeah i always want a safety valve yeah um i think that some decks want more goals i think someone doharis and i think those decks can be the same faction agenda and have a lot of the same cards and like there are little things that would change based on which one you chose right i think targ for example is a good example some targ decks want valor morgulis those are decks that probably want to run slaver's bayport right a deck that isn't running that probably um if you're running doharis you don't want your slaver's bayports because you're probably not killing as many characters you know i think the two do serve different roles wildfire is another one Though that tends to only be seen in range decks or like your like uncommon deck that some like weirdo built that's really good, you know. I, I always forget about Wildfire. I like Wildfire. Yeah. Um, I like Wildfire too. I think it works in some decks. Oh, I got Wildfired by that Greyjoy Wolf deck. Nice. Because of course I did. He's gonna have. He's thinking he has three big lords on the yeah. table. And I got nothing, you know? So right. I think Wildfire can be really interesting. And I think decks that run multiple resets are usually really interesting because most people aren't expecting it. Yeah. Was I, was I, I think I was running both Valors in my plot deck at the end there. Yeah. Three bears. So what yeah. about, <clears throat> all right, auto includes. Um, Riddle? No. Time and Plenty? Trading? Late Summer Feast? Like, do you think I don't, I don't think there's any plot, summer what do you think each deck is going to want late summer feast or training? No, I think some decks don't want either of those. Wow, I think a good control deck doesn't want either of those. It's probably true. Um, like Martel Assault that I saw a lot of in testing and building, you know, in my group. Uh huh. Um, they don't want either of those in their decks. They, you know, it's like some that we have like fleshed out archetypes now, you know? 
Do you think that outside of resets or that resets are the closest thing to auto includes that we have anymore with how many different decks are out there? Um, <laughs> I think probably or, or openers hmm. like, like almost like 90% of decks want time of plenty come over western here's what i'll say almost any deck could use time of plenty as a fine card sure fine plot um it, it used to be trade routes was not include right yeah um which is funny because i never did that um what trade routes just uh, i use trade routes but like I, I wouldn't always have it in there I basically did, unless I was running like a PD deck. And I told you that before war. I said, I think every deck should either have trade routes or PD in it. Yeah, that's right. I, yeah. I remember yeah. going back and forth with that. Yeah, because I, I just felt like there's enough, like you we talked about earlier, there's enough good locations. And when trade routes wasn't on the restricted list, like that is the best mid-game econ you can find. Oh, yeah. And especially you know? if you can like somehow either like coppers into it or fill your hand and then play it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. It's a great card. Um <coughs> but uh so I think like something like Time of Plenty or Calm or At the Gates can go in any deck. Okay. Right. Fine. Right. I don't think every deck wants it necessarily because you have decks that are gonna be want more control options and they don't want safe openers. They're going for like I wanna attack you openers, you know. Um you know what I really like with the plot deck, um, talking about that, is I, I loved, at one point, I had a Martell build that ran the Double Marched. Yeah. Double Marched, I think, I, I feel like no one ever really expects that. Yeah, they don't. Double or March like, is one of the most interesting things you can do. Yeah. I, I think either marching to March is crazy, or like marching early on and then marching plot seven. Because mm-hmm. plot seven, everyone's always trying to figure out what that last plot is, and then when... Mm-hmm. Especially if they look through thing, you're like, oh, it's not going to be marched again. Right. I think one of the most interesting things that can happen is, like, plot six, though. Because you're like, well, which plot do I not want to pin? Yeah. If this game's going to go on another three rounds or whatever. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always interesting, because I've definitely been there where I'm like, I don't really want to pin my Doharis or this other one, but... That's funny. Actually, I actually never think of that. A lot, a lot of times, if we're going that far, and I haven't done it yet, if I haven't used my reset yet, it's because I'm in the lead. Yes, exactly. And that's when that's when I pin it. Is when I'm like, okay, I'm probably winning this game on pod eight or nine, you know. So it's like it's fine that I pin it. Um, um, dude, how many <laughs> how many games have you done where you're like, I fucking win, I, I need to win this game by plot six because if um, I valor myself, I've lost. No, it happened against you early on when I was playing Martell Rose with knights. Oh yeah, and, or it was Tyrell's son or something, and. I had wildfire as my last plot and it like killed like a ton of renown. And I was like, I win this. I was way up on you. I think I was winning like 12 to like little Yeah, I was way up on you. And I had to wildfire like my entire board away and you won the game. Cause it was like, well, I just got rid of all my renown. And I was like, I remember thinking that I was like, well, maybe it's one of those things where if I see on like turn two or three, that like I'm, I'm going to like do really well. I just wildfire early on. And then like <laughs> flop well, everything I, out later. I, I've mentioned this before. I used to love when I ran wildfire a lot, um, when I couldn't commit to like Valor, I used to love mm-hmm. using Wildfire for initiative. Yeah, 
and making sure I go first, getting the four gold, and like, okay, so maybe I lose one character, but I still have these guys. Like, like if I did right. the math, okay, like as long as like they don't do something crazy on their board, right? I'm gonna lose one guy, but I'm okay. Right. Um. You no, know, it, it it is rare though where I'll be like, ooh, I, I'm gonna have to valor myself, and it's gonna hurt a lot. It happens, but I think it's rare. Um. Like one in fifty games, maybe. Well, let's go to that really quick. How often are you paying attention to initiative and reserve? Um, so reserve, I think, is an easier answer. I think reserve, you have to be careful of how many plots you include that have low reserve. Right. And then when you think of low, are you thinking, like, is five low for you or is it four? F- four, four is low. Five, four is definitely low. But is five, four, five, five, is got, five has become acceptable. Okay. I think because there's enough draw in the game or things like that where I'm like, okay, I can have Force March, Trading, Valor, and, like, that's half my plot deck now is five reserve, you know? But it also depends on what faction you're playing. There are two factions in particular, Night's Watch and Martell, that have reserve boosts. Right. So it's like if you're running those, you can uh, get away with running double Force March or Political Disaster. You can get away with running those, like, little reserve things, but... I don't worry too much about having a ton of reserve. It's that middle of like how many fours do you have really? Because right. you can't have too many fours. Right. Yeah. Retaliation's four, right? Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of times where I have jumped out ahead with a Martell deck for some reason. Yeah. Those random times where okay, I somehow have board control early on. Right. And I don't really need to blank anything. I can just go on the offensive. Let's do retaliation now. Right. But then it's Martell, so I have like eight cards in hand, and now I'm down to four. Right, right. Um, uh, let's see how many have four. I'm looking at right now. Actually, quite a few. A Feast for Crows, Beyond Reproach, Breaking Ties, Compelled by the Faith, Coordinated Attack, Early Frost, Famine, Marching Orders, Now Comes the War, Political Disaster, Retail, Supporting the Faith, The Long Winter, The Red Wedding, Spider's Web. So out of those, you see Supporting the Faith, Retail, Political Disaster. Um, no one really plays Feast for Crows, huh? No, not really anymore. I think it's just not. I think it's a great plot. I mean, it's an okay plot. Is it six? Your deck has to be built around dominance, though. What is that? What is stats on that one? Uh, six one one four. Yeah. That's you know, game cool. game two after it is, but like. Yeah, your deck is dominance. Don't care about winning dominance. What's up? Most decks don't care about winning dominance. No. Iron Throne is like not popular anymore. I know. I, I, I find it weird when I see that in decks that don't need it. Yeah. Where they're like or, – or every once in a while I'll ask them on Iron Throne if I feel like talking like, hey, what, what's that in there for? And they're like, oh, you know, like so I can win dominance. Yeah. But like I think we're at a point where if you're doing that, you've wasted a slot. Well, I used to do that with um, Night's Watch. Because it was another way. I don't have a ton of ways to gain power. I have the wall. That's slightly I'm different, though. Winning, that's because you I'm don't have powerful. ways to win power. Like Right, and I think that that's where it's okay. I think that... I, I agree. I think if you're building a target deck, you probably don't care about the Iron Throne. Right. You don't need to, you know? So, I, I think that that's why Feast for Crows doesn't see much play. Because, like, it's not actually reliable to win dominance. Sure, yeah. Unless you have Mag's Ribs or the Iron Throne. Yeah. So. Oh, ribs. I forgot about the short bit Greyjoy had with Dominic. Plus two per person in your dead pile. And then you can just throw them wherever in there? 
What Drown God won more or Drown God won Trial of Three? Drown God won uh name day tourney, yeah. That's cool, man. Greyjoy son, yeah. There's a weird moment. I think he probably wins the game anyways, but he was playing against the builders in top sixteen or top eight. I think it was top sixteen. And uh, he's playing against builders, the guy who won, and he stole the wall turn two with we take Westeros. Nice. Because he pulled it with like intrigue claim or whatever on the first turn. Which is like that's where I'm like that it like should not be able to happen. Yeah. Like, that's why like the pillage stuff and like taking your stuff like just like it so feels bad. I, I I'm fine with it for a turn. I think it's a like recurrable thing. It's like pretty bothersome, but um he took that and then it was like plot four maybe. It was a trade route into a trading. And the dude the builders dude won initiative and named Greyjoy first. And he went and like got the three golds from trading and then was counting all of the locations. And there was a ton of locations. He was getting like 20 something gold. And then he was like counting them. And the one guy was like, saying somebody's like, yeah, he's like, that's even before like I count my regular gold. And then he just like counted his regular gold, put it on marshaled. And then the Greyjoy dude started marshaling, even though he was supposed to be first player. Yeah. And he goes start marshaling and then builders. And I noticed it. And I like asked someone next to me, I was like, isn't Greyjoy first? He was like, I don't, I don't know. And then the builder's player was like, you know that he won an initiative and chose you to go first. Also, yeah. builders, why would he ever go second? Or why would he ever go first, you know? Right. So it, it seemed a little skeezy because he kept saying, he was like, I just assumed he like made himself first when he did that. And um, I like went over and I was talking to Jesse afterwards and he's like, would you have made a different call? And I was like, no, I think the right call was made of what they ended up doing was just saying, we just assumed that the builders player made himself first. Okay. Like, that's the best way to rectify that. I was like, no, I agree. I was like, honestly, it felt weird to me by the Greyjoy player. Cause I was like, he just kept saying like, he felt like a mistake. I was like, it didn't seem, it seemed like everybody was aware and he let it happen. Right. And Jesse was like, I've known him, you know, a long time. He's a good guy. I know he went like cheat. And I was like, hey, I take your word for it, man. I was like, Sean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was on the Nate's Watch team. He seems like a good guy. Yeah. And I, I, I always thought so too. I liked him when he was on Beyond the Wall. Oh, okay. Um, but like, it seemed really weird, you know? And, uh, but I was like, dude, I'll take your word for it, man. I was like, it just felt weird to me, you know? But I was like, I think the right call was made too, which I thought it was cool that Jesse was asking me if I thought like my call on something. Oh, Jesse's dope, man. Like when we were at, at war talking about you, he's like, oh, yeah, I know, I know Stan. That's my boy. Yeah, yeah. And I liked it because I, I think it's because I was the the melee judge at Worlds. Okay. And, so like, and I talked a lot about like different like interactions there and stuff. And so I felt like he thought that maybe I had some credence on things or whatever. Nice. Um, which was cool. But yeah, so it was like that was kind of a weird moment um, in like ruling or whatever. But um, I think we were talking about initiative. And so I think that. With reserve, like I think you just can't have too many low ones with initiative. Some decks want high initiative plots. I've done it where I sort the plots by highest initiative and I look at those. I'm like, okay, Clash Kings is up there. Sneak Tech, is that a card I want? Probably not. You know, yeah. Headland Spikes, is that something I want? Things like that. Love, like some decks want high initiative and some don't really care. You have certain plots that you want and maybe they're low initiative, maybe they're middling, but like, that's fine. You're fine with like, you want the plots for their effects, not, you don't necessarily care about being first or second. Right, I like I like Martell a lot, wants some high initiative plots, 
because they like need to go second. Mm-hmm. I think that's super interesting. I've also liked building plot decks where I need one or two high initiative plots because there's literally going to be one turn where I need to go first, mm-hmm. and you know that'll be the, that'll be it. That'll be the end of the game. Right. Uh, I think that's that's always kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. That's my builder stack where I have a Clash of Kings and Wars of like I'm like that's the one where I need to go first. Yeah. You know, and I flip that out and hopefully can. Force March is great with nine initiative or whatever, eight initiative, whatever it has. Like, that's a great plot. Oh, what about, um, we never talked about, what do you think about you win or you die? Oh, I love, I think you win or you die is the closest thing to an auto-include. Okay, sweet. Yep, there you go. That's that's a great call right there. I think that's the closest thing you get to an auto-include. I, 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 that's one of those, yeah, that's one of those cards where, like, in a Martell deck that's not offensive at all, you can... Once you've like essentially out, you know, attrition your opponent, you play that and you go forward and you win. Mm-hmm. It's the new retail for them. Like I think. Yeah, some, yeah, yeah. Some, exactly. uh, I was playing a Martel Rose for a bit. There was like guard tech. Um, I, that I was telling you about that. Like it had double retail in it, and I think you win or you die might have also been in it. And like on those turns, if you have the Arya Hota that claim raises, and you have or you have Sun Spear, like it shuts them down. I've never been able to hit my my uh, new Aria. Oh, it feels so good. I built that deck. I've never, I've never been able to up him more than just one. Yeah, I've gotten plus one. I, I built that deck like right around the time the box went, and the deck worked okay as like an aggro Martel deck in general. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I never hit like that part of it. Right, and it, I think you really. I mean, the good thing about him is he raises your. He raises the claim on your plot card, just period. Right, not on not just on for the game. challenge that he won, and so like that's pretty huge. Nice, you know, if you can get especially on a retail turn, if you can get three claim on everything, like they have lost the game. Oh yeah, uh, retaliation in general. I've played against Martel decks where their retail turn, where their retaliation turn turns the game. Hmm. Yeah. So, I uh, but I think. Um, you win or you die is probably yeah the, one of the best plots out there. Sweet. Do we got anything else on there? Um, I know I do. Let's see here. Good opener. Um, oh, I want to talk about winter and summer real quick. All right. Because you asked if like winter, what is like winter and summer's place in the game now? Yeah. And I think the agendas are mostly dead. And I think they were just like placeholders until we got better agendas. Okay. Like it's like fealty. Like you're gonna see fealty now, especially because like as the restricted list increases, it tends to be newer cards, not older cards. Like how many corset cards are on the restricted list versus the past couple cycles, you know? So you have things that are like plots that were made in the beginning of the game that you just aren't gonna see a ton of play. And I think winter and summer are two of those. I think that choke is like pretty much dead. Like okay. Just, we talked about it. Econ is everywhere now. Do you think it was ever viable? Um, not as like a championship level deck, but no, like, it was always like it could always be like, like, tears, but it was like blow you out. It was the original free folk where it could always like blow you out, but then it was like took a while to win. Right. But it also could like fail, you know. It was I think it was good as like Lanny or like a Knight's Watch. 
like we're the two best at it because Lanny could treachery. <laughs> I feel like that uh that Night's Watch White Tree deck. Wait, is it White Tree? Mm-hmm. That with uh uh with contribution. Oh yeah, um, contribution. I feel like that deck was more annoying than anything. Yes, I've I've lost that deck quite a few times because that is a deck if that gets going and you don't have an answer for it, you're gonna lose. Right, but I feel like so much of that deck was was like focused on making sure that that those pieces were working. Um, one, if you were able to stop one of those, or two, like I played trading and I got my eight gold, I was probably right. fine. Right, for sure. Um, but if I played my noble and I got three gold, you probably are fucking me. Right, and then that's where like the reserve matters of if they're playing winter, yeah, like kings of winter. That's the other thing. Kings of winter with the most common opener was like a rates in their midst. Right. You also got minus one reserve from that, or minus uh, yeah, minus one reserve from it, and so like, minus two reserve. I forget. Is that three? You get they get minus two, but you get minus one from your agenda. So it's like your reserve is now four, and you only got four gold. Right. Like, what are you really doing with that? And so that's where, yes, if you flip into trading and I meet your contribution and white tree tree you, you got eight gold, but now you have two reserve or three reserve. Like, you're also get, getting rid of the rest of your cards. You can't play them all out. Yeah. But I think the choke just like draw and econ are too like common now. Yeah. I should mess um, with winter. I wonder if this, there's anything there. There's a, I think there's like a Martel Winter thing that can be kind of cool, like using, um, opening like Winter Reserves and change your plans, something. Yeah. Um, I know Stark had like is is going back to Winter Tech, but I don't think they want to run Kings of Winter. And that's the exact thing I wrote. It's like that, like Winter is used as like a theme in Stark decks, but it's not Kings of Winter. You're not going to run it. You're just going to want like Winter plots and insane like summer. Summer decks, like summer agenda, is used when you're like almost like, well, summer's good by default because the summer plots are good. Right. You really use summer for the reserve, for plus one reserve and like plus one gold on your summer plots. So it's like plus one reserve and plus one gold each round. Like, I guess that's pretty good, you know. And you just like, like builders, you just happen like summer plots are fine. Right. And so you want econ to be able to get your stuff out and you want cards in hand. Um, all right, let's talk about traits really quick since we're talking about summer and winter, and then let's finish with um, what plot is interesting but you never play. Okay. So traits. Um, I never really look at summer or winter, mm-hmm. um, but I definitely do look at kingdom. Yeah, I'll look at those a little bit. I think naval like tends to not be run very much, but like um, – yeah, I don't look at trades too much. Schemes, obviously, if you're going to run a range, I will search, filter in all the schemes and see right. which schemes do I want to run. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I'm not really looking at trades other than like summer or winter if that affects my deck in some way. Right, right. Um, yeah, I guess I think I, I guess that's it really because there's and there's random ones that have random traits like Omen. Um, mm-hmm. You're running Craster still. Right, and that's when I'm like, oh, I'm running Night's Watch Reigns with Craster. Okay, let's put Morgolis and O'Hara's in there. Right, because it's not going to do anything. Right. Um, so that, that kind of gets into this last one. Um, so I think, is it the White Shadows? Yeah. 
I think that's super interesting. Yeah. I have no idea what to do with it. I I know. Uh, that was one. The, another thing to talk about was plots you don't understand. And yeah. the White Shadows was like the first one I put on there. So I was like, I have no idea what people are doing with that. Well, I, okay. So the one that the plots I don't understand was taxation. Oh, I understand that one. But now? Uh, I mean, now more than ever, probably, because you're probably running more than nine econ now. Like a lot of decks run like 12 econ. Yeah, but you have non-limited econ now. You have Eleanor. You have At the well, Gates. <laughs> sure. Yes, and I agree. Like At the Gates is better. At the Gates would replace like taxation now. But um, I get it just from the idea of like, I don't think it was a good plot. Uh, I will say, I don't think it was a good plot, but I can see like why someone would run it. All right, I guess I see. I guess I, I can agree with you there. I, I don't understand the design space of that. Yeah. Well, so one I have is I don't understand the design space of Whisper Campaign. After, that? after a character without an intrigue icon enters, play Kneel It. Oh, I was I had that on mine too. Of like. Yeah. Okay, it's like I, I, I get four, this. Like I guess if I'm running a, a very strong Lanny intrigue heavy deck, but you're really banking on them not having intrigue icons, or maybe that person just doesn't marshal them at this right. turn. And Neil, to me, like when I see the word Neil, I think of Barra. Yeah, Barra doesn't have a ton of intrigue icons. Oh, so it's funny like, too. Yeah, that's not the deck you want to run that in, you know. I'm like, oh, well, if you have Stannis out, then yeah, like they're they they won't marshal anything. But like that's the point, right? Is that they won't marshal it. You want them to not marshal anything so you can do something. Right. That doesn't seem that interesting to me. Yeah, that's that, that's a good one. Um, and and I mean, ultimately, this is the problem of a lot of these plots that kind of have that thing are in boxes that are supposed to counter. That was in the Watchers on the Wall box. Okay. It's theoretically counter to Builders. For oh, okay. Because Builders are going to have power icons? Yeah, but like, so what? Yeah. Uh, well, it, there's it, so much stand in so many different factions now? Well, I, I don't think there is that much stand, actually, when I was thinking about it. I think Stark has reliable stand, and Tark has some stand, but other than that, like, what factions stand? Tyrell? Oh, I guess with the Courtiers. Yeah, yeah, but that's it. Yeah, but I, I, I was thinking about Whisper Campaign too. Um, I feel like White Shadows could be used though. I, 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 I think my problem with it is if it, to me that's like an overkill thing. Oh, like, like, uh, like how? What's what's the what's the card that does that? House of the Undying, almost. Yeah, 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 yeah. So after a character and opponent controls killed, put it in a play under your control. While that character's in play, treats print text box as if it were blank. So you have to bank on them like valoring that turn to be able to like get. So that's where I was like, like okay, it's where I was, where I was confused of like, where do how do I do this? Do I am I running? It's only at the end of the phase. So I'm running like oh, the sword, so I'm like I can get two people from you. Yeah. That was that's actually the example I was thinking of was like sea of blood, but then you only get them for the phase. If you're getting off a put to the sword you're already winning yeah it's a it's like a classic overkill plot that like i i just don't i, I don't understand it and i it, it's interesting it almost needs to be like low stats or what are its stats five two one six so it's not that bad like, it needs to almost be like two two one uh during challenges phase um you resurrect their dead pile Right, right. Basically, a House of the Undying effect. Yeah, because I mean that's the thing. It's like 
house of the undying you're like that's a that's like a you win or you die type idea of like i'm taking all the characters and your dead pile yeah i'm putting them on the board and i'm trying to smash you with it yeah that's cool but like white shadows uh, yeah white shadows are just don't get yeah it's it's a weird one and, and i i i think it has the others trait it has, or it omen, it has omen trait okay it's the closest card we have to a white walker card right yes you're turning their character into a white walker for the phase but like um, i just can't be that good and it's just so even like I, and then i was thinking like oh what if i was doing the alalani and i'm using ellen but that's out of marshalling then what am i doing with your guy during marshalling right Nothing. and i was thinking okay what if i what if i um ellen kill your guy take your guy broken vows it back to you because i'm also running you all <laughs> Yeah, I mean, sure. At that point, yeah, it's just a weird. It's a it's a weird card for sure. There's just a bunch of stuff that needs to happen for that for it to work, and mm -hmm. it it seems like such a drastic effect that I'm hoping something comes around that that makes it. I don't know. Which yeah. and then at one point, like, fuck, do I even want that? Do I want some card that's going to kill multiple people in challenges phase? Yeah, I don't know. Like. Like, do I want to see people start running free hospitality? No. Right? Um, oh, the other White Shadows, another card from the uh, Night's Watch box. Really? <laughs> yeah. Nice. I like yeah. it. Um, what do you think about what's that? Oh, is it? It's uh, the card where like both of you have to like pop a character back during challenges phase? Unexpected delay. Yeah. You used to run that. I had it in a, I had it in like a deck or two, yeah. I like that card. I think that's interesting. I've seen it played against me in a deck that was running like attachments, like maybe a cohort deck or something. But I was like, ah, uh, I don't know, because I think that the whole idea is you want to be second player. Okay. Like if they choose your character, you just want to be able to like choose it back or whatever. Right. But it has, I think, one initiative, so the other player is gonna go second. They're gonna make you choose one of their guys, and then they're just gonna pick the same guy. So you're really just getting one guy off the board that didn't have an attachment on him. Mm. Like that seems like a wasted plot space, maybe. What do you think about? Uh, and it doesn't have great like stats. Thing has three gold on it. Right. What's the other one? Reinf not re. I don't think it's reinforcements. Called into service. Called or service. Into court. Summon the court is the one where you. Both show a character. No, that's the lowest. The lowest cost one gets to play. Summon the or yeah, um, called into services. You reveal the top card of your deck. If it's a character, put it into play. If not, get two gold or something. Get two gold, yeah, and it only has two gold on it. I was like, I was thinking, I was like, that is a terrible plot. Unless you can know, unless you know how to stack your deck so that you can get a character off the top of it. Okay. It's an expensive character. Right. So that you can get your gold's worth. Yeah. It does stuff like that where I'm like, you're probably you're devoting too much space to have a cute econ interaction, and you're not really furthering like your way to win fifteen power. Right. Agreed. And do you think it's too much work, like out of Tyrell, to do that? I, I yes, because at that point you're de probably devoting. Yes, you can have certain cards that would new mace, right? New yeah. mace is something that would help you have a Renly on the top of your deck so that when you flip them over, Renly comes out. But yeah. it's accepting. You don't want two gold worth of character off that. Right. 
you know, in a character and play, that's not good. So I, I think you're probably devoting, it's not reliable enough to where you can just kind of have it, put it in a seven card plot deck and reliably trigger it for a good amount. Um, and so you have to devote too many resources to it. And that point, like I said, you're devoting too many resources to an econ advantage. Right, right. Do you think we'll ever see uh, Battle of Blackwater again? That's my favorite one. That's that's the one I want to see more of. Okay. I hope so. I hope so. I think Battle of Blackwater is an extremely interesting card. Me too. I had it played against me and just wrecked me at a Game Night Kit in AZ. I was playing against Paul. He was playing Martel something. And I was playing a um, Tyrell Lion. And I had a trip-duped Marge. Uh, like the big Marge that goes and finds the lords and ladies. And he uh, played Battle Blackwater. I mean, I had to get rid of both in the Valley next turn. And like I win that game if if I had saved the dupe for you know? Nice. So that was rough, but like I think that's such a cool plot. What about um I've always wanted to mess around with Grand Melee. I think Grand Melee's actually like has like a, a space and like good decks. I think Barra and Night's Watch both can use it. I was gonna say, like, it's gotta be good in Night's Watch decks. Yeah, I think it is good enough. I had it in my Night's Watch summer. Okay. Cause you know, it can backfire, I guess, if you're not finding your Shadow Tower Masons or entry icons or whatever. Right. But for the most part, you're forcing them to commit multiple people to a challenge. Right. And then if I'm playing my deck right, I should be okay. Right. It's great in Barra because you can kneel characters with different icons where they can't actually hit you with anything. Um, sweet. All right. Any other last plots that you think aren't seen play that are kind of interesting? Hmm. No. I, I think... I think you got like some good quality plots. You got good openers. You got good resets now. Um, and I think that depending on the meta, you're going to see like interesting includes like weapons at the door or your king commands it or things like that that are just like going to be like fun ones. I'd like to see winter be a theme that isn't free folk. What about okay? So let's real quick. King's plot I saw a lot too at war. I, yeah, I hate King's plot. Um. I saw King's Plot out of decks that weren't running Kings. Yeah. Like, fuck them, dude. That seems like an odd choice. Um. Oh, Fortified Position. That's a card I'd love to see more play. Yeah, I was just looking at that one. Okay. I think that's a good one. I think that's a good card, and I'd, I'd like to see that get more play. I just I can't build a deck that doesn't rely on character abilities, so I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I like too many tricks and bullshit that's going right. to hide from you. I don't know how to build a deck that wants to take advantage of the fact that, yes, I have triggers that I would like to do, but I want to stop more of yours. Like I don't know how to do that. I know some people have talked about fortified position being in certain plot decks recently. Yeah. But I just like I can't imagine what that deck looks like. So um, So the uh, last thing I want to talk about is uh dude, what do you think about that new builder that was in the bot that was in that pack? Age Craftsman. Yeah. Stupid ridiculous card. The what is it? Uh when he hits play when he enters play, search top 10 cards of your deck for Night's Watch location, two or lower, and put it into play. Yeah, and he's Shadows or Ambush or something? No, he doesn't have either. Oh, okay. 
I, I, I was thinking like like if you can just cycle him like that'd be he's like a fun. Oh, that's what I was thinking. I, I kept thinking about Journey to Old Town. Oh yeah. And if you keep like journeying him to Old Town, you can just keep cycling through your deck really quickly. True. True. Um, I use him as military claim. Yeah. I do it because I don't need it. The the best thing to do is you flee bottom alley. Um, him in search top ten cards of your deck for the location, throw it into play, shuffle your deck, and then you get to draw a card off flee bottom alley. Wait. How? Flea Bottom Alley's text is like put a Night's Watch character three costs or lower into play from your hand. Okay. Your deck, or the, into, into play from your hand, and then the last sentence is draw a card. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that, play, that's his that's reaction. Sick. It does everything. Then you draw a card. It's like super sick. That's its new econ kind of. Yeah, that was its that was its one cost econ. It's um. It, that was its gates. It's, it's a King's Road for Night's Watch characters plus draw a card. Yeah, yeah. Super good. Um, sweet, man. All right, it was great talking to you. I will see you soon. Uh, Bless, right. why don't you uh, play us out here? See you later, man. Hey, later, dude. Have a good day. You too. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Drop the Dice. We'll see you next week.